Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Later in the programme, I talk to Johnny Chung, the senior barman at the Peninsula Hong Kong, who started work at the hotel in 1957 and is still going strong. But first, the Ping San Heritage Trail was set up by the Tang family in 1993 and takes you on a walk around ancestral halls, shrines, a pagoda, study halls and to a crocodile's head. Or is it an alligator? My guide is Canadian artist Stuart Hamby, who has started a new life in the New Territories with his wife, Tang Clan descendant, Georginia, or George Tang, a cordon bleu chef who appeared on the programme last year after she restored her Tang house that is more than 200 years old. They met in Paris. I asked Stuart what he made of the Tang villages when he first arrived in Hong Kong. It wasn't what I expected, to be honest. Uh, when my now wife uh, was telling me that she lived on a heritage trail, I thought, oh, a heritage trail would be something in the mountains with woods and everything. <laughs> so it's different from that. But um, it's cool. I actually like it. There's an incredible amount of history here, even compared to European cities. It's, you know, it's comparable. It's 900 years of history here. So... Uh, the Tang Clan uh, Hall, Ancestral Hall, has something like 500 years of history. So we're standing in front of, you know, think of, I guess, Columbus discovering America. That's what, that's the same kind of time frame we're looking at here. So. Yeah, it does put it in perspective, isn't it? It's, it's interesting because here at Hang Mei Chun is uh, a village just down from Tin Shui Wai uh, on the West Rail Line. As an artist, <clears throat> does some of this history appeal to you? Do, you? do you enjoy doing any kind of buildings or you prefer humans? Oh, well, um, well, it, it, it absolutely does uh, appeal to me. History, uh, if, if you think about it, history, um, it's everything that's happened until just right now, you know? So that's all history. Our, this conversation is already historical. And so I, I really do think about that. Um, and, and I also do, I also do compare it to, uh, things that I know more from the West or, or even, you know, as I said, Columbus or, or I think of like Michelangelo, right? So, so this was going on. This is the Renaissance, or, you know, uh, earlier, actually. Well, some, some of this is earlier. Um, but if you think about it, Renaissance era, that's when this was built. Um, the Tangs arrived here in the 12th century. So, I mean, geez, there wasn't even a North America at that time. You know, what was going on in, you know, it was Middle Ages, I guess, in Europe. So, um, but I do think about that. I think about the Western equivalents. And this ancestral hall, for example, I mean, a lot. I mean, it's interesting that you are cross-comparing because um, this is not a museum. This is an ancestral hall that, uh, um, or is going to be used for a function tonight. Yeah. So, I mean, this is used by the people. And what I also find interesting, you've got this ancestral hall. The Tang clan decided to create this Ping San heritage trail for people to be able to go around. So, I mean, yeah, we're looking at uh, several plastic. Well, they're not plastic tables, but tables with plastic chairs around them. Um, I mean, there's clearly a function tonight, I guess a wedding. But um, they, they have, it's still used, 500 years of continuous use, you know. So this is the ancestral hall, as you say, that goes back 500 years. What right. else can we see along the Ping San Heritage Trail? Well, there's a the pagoda over there that's, I think it's about 100 years older than this. There's Sheng Cheng Wai, which is, I think it's about a 200-year-old walled village. And that's really cool because... Uh, it's, it's the only one in the immediate area, but it's enclosed in a stone wall. That's, you know, defensive wall. And it used to have a moat around it, but that's been filled in. So next to the Tang Clan Ancestral Hall is the UQ Ancestral Hall. It was built, uh, my understanding is, uh, sort of a glorification of, of the, of the ancestors. And it's 
almost a, an identical twin to the uh, um, Tang Clan ancestral hall. So they sort of form one complex, although it was built a hundred years later, but but very much in the style. And and the style is, um, I, I don't know too much formally like the architecture or whatever, but but if you just look at it, it's it's somewhat austere. It's not sort of riotous uh, paintings of gods and things like that. It's more austere. And and I put that down to this being the center of the of, of Pingshan and Pingshan being a Tang clan settlement and the Tangs were government officials. So if you think about it, it's more of a government building and, and just um, reflecting the augustness of the government and that sort of thing. So I, I, this is my sort of personal take on it, but it's more uh, stately, more austere a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So um, there's the the Kunting study hall. There's a couple of study halls. Um, Yantun Kong study hall. There's, there's two or three of them or more even. And who were the study halls used for? So they were built by Tangs who achieved a certain level in government. Again, glorification, uh, I guess that's the right word, of, of their ancestors. My, my wife's grandfather's grandfather, I think that's the right generation. They were built by um, Tangs who had attained a certain rank, and it was a way to show off their wealth, um, but also it was useful. It was, it was actually a study hall. People went there um, to study for the government uh, exams, to attain the rank that, that, that these gentlemen had attained. Yeah, so particularly in the Qing Dynasty, if you could get yeah. onto the gravy train of the civil service, Absolutely. your family was made. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And, um, and so they were used, um, actually not all that long, maybe 100 years or so, but um, her father studied in the Kunting Study Hall and, and his was the last generation to use it as an actual school. Yes, because with us, your wife actually is Georginia Tang, who's a cordon bleu chef and has returned from Paris to to uh, Hangmaiden and, uh, in fact, was on an earlier Hong Kong heritage talking about the restoration of the Tang Clan house that you both live in and uh, and we've just been there today for some ni- very nice home-baked bread. George, if I can just bring you in a second. In front of us here, we've also got a couple of stall holders. What kind of local food are they selling there? Actually, they're selling sweet because it's like traditional um, uh, caramelized uh, sweet with uh, nuts. That's what they do. Oh, that's my childhood uh, sweets too. And then they're just trying to sell it to the uh, locals. Actually, my dad couldn't buy it too because it uh, reminds him of the uh, childhood. And uh, he do a lot of uh, business with the tourists too. That's how they come over and also grab their attention. Well, so we're going to Shengcheng Wai, uh, which is the walled village here. And inside is, uh, well, either alligator or crocodile. I, I guess I would say alligator head uh, made out of wood that used to be on the local dragon boats. Uh, that they would race on the bodies of water that used to be here, no longer present. And the reason it's an alligator head is that right about where we're walking, there used to be little either alligators or crocodiles, uh, actual living, you know, animals. <laughs> so, um, so they so they made this alligator head or crocodile head, I guess, as a, as a way to like sort of ward off the real alligators. And when the bodies of water were filled in or whatever disappeared somehow, so did the crocodiles, and so they just kept the head. Right. So why did they have crocodiles up here? Uh, n- native animals. Actually, it's a little short mouth. That's what they say in crocodile, the small ones. 
That was ages ago, I think, more than 100 years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah some kind of local... Local, tiny um, ones. Small fierce reptile <laughs> now as well as um researching the the local uh history here you've also been uh, involved uh pulled in by your wife to do actually prepare local food as well <laughs> well <laughs> she does yeah oh, oh yeah the Zhongzi. uh yes i'm not sure how much help i was that day but uh, you do better than I, me. yeah i was entertainment i think more for the people who are doing the real work what did, what was Stuart helping you with? Um, he is helping me with uh, wrapping it up with a string. But so it's, it's a is it um, so it's rice, it's sticky rice, rice yeah. and then um, spoonful of what meat or something in the middle. So you get a handful of sticky rice, put a filling in, and then sort of cover it again with rice, and then wrap it in banana leaves, and then the leaves uh, you have to tie them together like a Christmas parcel you were going to send in the mail. <laughs> um, so with string, but you have to wrap it around quite tightly, and you can't send these in the mail. But uh, <laughs> when you're tying it, you uh, the way that the old woman from the village showed us is that she held the end in her teeth and then pulled tight and then made the knot, and then you know cut it, cut the end, and then you steam it. them. Yeah, and then and steam, steam it for hours. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, my husband did a very good job than me <laughs> because I didn't use my teeth to bite that uh, string. <laughs> So how long have we had the Ping Shan trail, Heritage Trail here? Uh, I guess it was inaugurated in uh, December of 1993. Yeah, so it's been around a, a while, 20 years already. So, George, it was actually, you know, members of the Tang Clan that decided to put this Heritage Trail together. Uh, what happened is um, things are falling apart, and then um, the government uh, was uh, helping us to rebuild all the buildings, and it is actually the first heritage trial in Hong Kong. How, how do you feel about, you know, the, the, the visitors can see, you know, where generations of your family have been? Oh, that, that would be great, actually, because I, I, I'm proud of it, because I myself restored the house for that 200 Odd years old house from my great 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 grandfather, and then I love people to come and visit to understand more about the uh, historical side of it. So we're just going into the entrance here at the walled village at Shengcheng Wai, and uh, actually <coughs> I stand corrected because I I thought that we were going to see a whole bunch of modern buildings, which indeed we are, but at the same time there's there's quite a number of old ones here. I would guess that they're built somewhere around the same time as our house, which is on the order of 200 to 250 years ago. So it's quite nice going down these little alleyways and arches. I love it, yeah. I mean, where do you see this, you know? Like, the whole thing is enclosed. Um, it's just really, it's very different from, you know, when I think about Hong Kong, I think about Central and, you know, Mongkok, and, I mean, you could barely get any further away in feel than this. There's a, a brochure that you can get of the Ping Shan Heritage Trail. Where can people pick that up? Uh, they can pick that up at the Heritage Trail Visitor's Center, which is the old police station on top of the hill, on top of Ping Shan. Uh, you can get it at the um, Kunting Study Hall, and if they come to dinner at our house, they can pick one up there too. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yes. So right here in the shrine, so inside the shrine here at Xiong Cheng Wai, Yep. is uh, the, alligator, the, the wooden alligator head that you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that was on the... Is it alligator or crocodile? Uh, now I'm going to go with crocodile. <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to call it a, maybe a dinosaur. 
Uh, I'm not sure. I, I guess it's some kind of crocodile, I guess. But uh, they had it on the dragon boat, and I think it was just a um, – maybe we could call it a totemic animal, perhaps. Uh, it was used, I think, as, a, as a, a way to ward off the actual ones that were living outside the village. Um, and then when those disappeared, the local you know, native uh, fauna, they just kept it as, uh, I guess, a symbol – um, and, and perhaps something to pray to. looks like there's incense here, so uh, I, I guess it's given, at the very least, respect, if not some kind of uh, supernatural power. So this uh, right in front of us is also one of the landmarks. It is the um, shrine to the local uh, land god. I guess it's Tudigong, sort of generally speaking, um, the difference with this and, and many other ones is that this is representative of higher rank, um, which you can tell by the what they call the um, walk handle ears. I guess they, I think they call it ears on the side of it. Um, so so the sides are higher and they have that specific shape, which um, there's not too many of them around that have one. There's another one. Um, so this is a shrine we're looking at. Yeah, to the to the earth god. Yeah, to the god. So today, for radio purposes, we've looked at about half of the trail. But um, if people want to do the whole trail, what else awaits them? Uh, well, we're right now at the uh, the pagoda, so there's that which we haven't spoken about yet. Um, there are there is an entrance to a uh, now non-existent study hall in um, Tongfeng Chen, which is uh, just across the street from our house, basically. Uh, there's a, uh, a temple uh, and an old well also outside of uh, Hang Tao Chen. So uh, the other thing that we missed out was the Pingshan Tanklan Gallery uh, and Heritage Trail Visitors Center. I had to look up the official <laughs> title. Uh, but that's on top of um, Pingshan. It's a colonial building that they've turned into... Uh, so that's the old police station. Yeah, exactly. The old police station. Um built in, I think, 1900, and uh, it's been converted into a museum, and it has uh, relics from the Tang villages. Uh, it has maps and things like that, so just information about the whole area and, and life here specifically. So. This is actually a gorgeous pagoda surrounded by the light rail and a car park, yeah. but uh, a pagoda back to an earlier time. Yeah, much earlier, actually. It's one of the oldest buildings here, um, although, again, it might not be every single brick that was laid uh, originally, but it's got about 600 years of history, uh, including somewhere losing about four stories. It used to be seven stories high. Now, I think we're looking at three. And it was built as a feng shui device to keep the land from flooding um, and also to bring fortune in. But if uh, it's not quite exactly accurate, but if you look at the light rail and think of that, as formerly being a river, that's kind of the placement of where this was before. So the river would overflow and flood and bring those little crocodiles in. <laughs> so they built this pagoda as a feng shui device. I have no idea if it actually worked or not, but that was a the theory anyway. And it's, uh, it's just a lovely building now. How do you think that moving forward, I mean, obviously you've got this Pingshan Heritage Trail that tourists can come and see. And when I say tourists, I don't just mean tourists from abroad. I mean Hong Kongers can come and, and research their own history. It's a nice walk around. What, is there anything else you'd like to see along with it? Yeah, we, we get mostly, I guess, local tourists. And it's to me, I think it's a great, you know, let's say half day, um, especially when the weather is nice, 
Uh, it's a wonderful half day out. Uh, if you like walking, if you like being outside, if you like history, there's actually things that are not officially on the trail that are worth looking at. Um, and walking, you can actually walk from Hang Tao Chen all the way around the Ping Shan. Now, George, when you were growing up, um, you actually would have had fields around yeah, here. Yeah, it's like ponds and fields and... My father used to tell me that scary uh, saying that, you know, they have go what, what, ponds, ghosts, trying to avoid all the kids to go swing there to get drowned. And then I was walking around, you know, um, chasing dogs, cats, snakes, everything. <laughs> it was fun, but it's quite sad to see it, like, vanish. Now became, like, car parks. And I think every single child should have a village life. Yeah. I think that's. I, I I grew up in a um, not quite as rural as that of a, a you know village, but I, I grew up in a small town, and we had a forest behind us. And I would walk through the forest to school, and I would play in the forest. You know, every day in the summer, I was out all day until nightfall. And um, I I think so. I think growing up next to nature inside of nature is such a wonderful experience every single kid even goes to climb up trees absolutely i mean especially for this fruit like lychee and all this stuff <laughs> yeah not to be a material gain <laughs> just go up <laughs> oh, i'm sorry I'm, i grew up in a foodie family everything is food oriented if there's dollar bills up there you know i'd go up <laughs> my thanks to artist stuart hamby and cordon bleu chef Georginia Tang. George and Stuart also offer a private kitchen at their home. In 1957, a 14-year-old boy joined the staff in the lobby of the Peninsula Hong Kong, and at 73, he's still rather enjoying working there. Johnny Chung is a bit of a legend. I joined him in his bar to hear some of his stories. I, I was born in Hong Kong. My name is Zhong Kem Hong, C-H-U-N-G. K A M X U N G Zhong Kem Hong in Chinese Zhong Kam Hong. And who called you Johnny then? Oh, somebody uh, take from me. I can look at Johnny better go and go, go saying Johnny Johnny. Yeah, so until now, <laughs> I was a young boy, Johnny, and then I'm getting old. Over, uh, over 50 years. Everybody call me Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> so, how old are you now? Now, 73. And you come to work every day? Yeah, every day, yeah, every day. In the service bar, very safe for me. <laughs> Just make the, squeeze the juice every morning, prepare for a restaurant, room service, very safe for me. Where were you born in Hong Kong? In Hong Kong, Hospital. When you were born, hmm. in your family, you yeah. had how many brothers and sisters? I think four. Two sisters, one brother. Four. And what did your father do for a job? But before he was uh, has a lobby captain in the lobby, after he passed away, I joined the peninsula, yeah. And so how old were you then? F- only 14. Can you remember when your father was lobby captain, yeah. so you were just a boy, yeah. and then when you first joined the peninsula at the age of 14, right. can you describe to me yeah. how it felt like the first day yeah. working here? Oh, so that I'm really, really, really nervous. So can you describe, obviously, the peninsula was built in 1928. Yeah, yeah. You joined in 1957. Yeah, yeah. What were the... Can you describe the surroundings? So yeah. outside in Chim Sa Choi, yeah, yeah. what kind of transport? Well, only a railway station. 
The train come from the Canton or Shanghai Racing. And did you still did you have uh, rickshaws outside? Yes, sir, yes, sir. Very for only very short distance from here to Safari only charge me fifty cents. What was your first job at the age of fourteen at the peninsula? Fourteen, uh, when I joined the peninsula, first job is a message boy. Send a letter, magazine, and then after three months, somebody oh, John, they do better join the peninsula. Uh, uh, transfer to the bar, bar only. Uh, our bus boy. Oh, no problem for me. Only now from a bus boy, June Departenta, Sin Departenta, until now. In your job as uh, a barman, Mr. Jung, you've met yeah. many famous yeah. uh, people. Can you tell me some of those famous yeah. people? Uh, another uh, very famous story. Three gentlemen take their film in Hong Kong. The film scenario, Bridge on the River Kwai, is very, very famous in the world. Uh, the true story. In that time, the three gentlemen come to Hong Kong. One very, uh, uh, very famous American movie star, William Holden, and second, uh, Jack Hawkins, English movie star. Also another uh, uh, English movie star, Lex Harrison. Oh, three gentlemen. So Rex Harrison. Rex Harrison, English movie star, Lex Harrison, Jack Hawkins. <laughs> I like it too. Very, very gentle, uh, famous. Uh, so what did Rex Harrison and Jack Hawkins like to order? The uh, water. Very simple. Also, William Holden, Jack Hawkins, Lex Harrison, three gentlemen, he comes at the bar. Oh, come on, give me a free scotch, scotch water. Very simple. <laughs> Another enjoy it. Very famous song in that time, very, very busy uh, in theatre. Everybody joined the, the police on the river choir. Now you go to Bangkok, you simply see the bamboo, bamboo bridge. The memory, the, the wind, the the battle, the win the the battle. They 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 they. Oh, you know, very famous. <laughs> yeah. Gentleman. One day, gentleman said, at the bar, he come up, go after some gentleman, what you like, give me a screwdriver. Give you a screwdriver? Yeah, yeah. I'll give the two screwdriver. No, 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 screwdriver is a cocktail, not to, <laughs> to know how to make. I say sorry to him, come on, I, I tell you, vodka and fresh orange juice, very simple drink, that's all. So you basically were asked by this man right, right. for a screwdriver. You went off and fetched the tool, I told you, the I screwdriver. Told you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, because at that time, very simple. Only a red wine, a white wine, Coca-Cola. Uh, you don't know, low safe lamp in that time. Very formal, only scotch water, lamp, lamp and coke, gin and tonic, or uh, Coca-Cola. So you'd never heard? They've never heard uh, safe lamp, never heard only Coca-Cola. After... The general go another visitor come. Johnny, do you know the gentleman? No, he come from uh, American. He go to, come from Hong Kong to make the 
film. So after that, uh, this man had taught you how to make a screwdriver out of vodka and orange, yeah, yeah. and you say another friend yeah. uh, from the peninsula came over and said, oh, he's very famous, he's, he's just in Hong Kong to make a film. So who was he? A screwdriver, you said, Mr. Clark Abel. Clark Abel. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Chung, the senior barman at the peninsula Hong Kong. A few years earlier, in 1954, Clark Gable was in Hong Kong filming Soldier of Fortune. These two seemingly contradictory reports appeared in the China Mail in November 1954. First to Gable's press conference of November the 15th, headlined, Clark Gable paid Hong Kong a compliment. Unwittingly, Clark Gable paid this colony a great compliment yesterday when at a press conference held at the Peninsula Hotel, he said that so far he hadn't been mobbed in Hong Kong, although he had made a trip from the mainland to the island and back. Let us hope our famous visitor doesn't interpret this lack of mobbing as a lack of interest. There's hardly any motion picture actor with more fans here than Mr Gable, but we do pride ourselves in allowing our renowned visitors a maximum of privacy and freedom of movement, a fact that will be borne out by Cary Grant, Danny Kay, William Holden and others who have visited recently. Now, let us hope that Mr Gable will leave here with the same good impressions we made on the others. Mr Gable, looking quite as handsome as on the screen, answered all, at times rather personal questions, with very good grace and great diplomacy. All we managed to find out was that he has no immediate marriage plans, favours no particular actress, intends to work hard here, possibly seven days a week, with very little time left for any social life, and that he enjoyed his part of Rhett Butler in Gone with the Wind, best of all the parts he's ever played on screen. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Mr. Dimitrik, the film director who accompanied Clark Gable, made a very brave effort of wiping out the rather poor impression a Hollywood judge made on us by declaring Hong Kong unfit and unsafe for Susan Hayward's children. Apparently, what the judge really meant was that the children ought not to be separated from either one of their parents. But the fact remains that Miss Hayward is not coming here without her children. Also not coming is David Niven, as previously advised, and in his place we're having Michael Rennie in the role of the British police inspector. Other supporting actors shortly to join Messrs Gable and Rennie are Jean Barry and Ray Darcy. But for the rest, it will be the population of Hong Kong, both Chinese and European, who will make up the cast. So sit up and watch. You might be a future movie star. Mr. Dimitrik intends to film every aspect and part of the colony, the Peak, Aberdeen, the Central Districts, Yaomate, Kowloon, etc. And he promised us a real treat when we see the film at the end of the year. Estimated to cost two million US dollars, it will be in Technicolor and Cinemascope, as most of 20th Century Fox's recent productions. A week later, and interest in the star is growing. Headline shooting of Clark Gable film begins. Peak dwellers were a little perturbed this morning when their usually silent terminal lobby hummed with activity during the slack hour and the only tram to leave for some 20 minutes was loaded down with curious equipment and a generator trailer in its wake. With the carailment of the tram service, taxis vanished and many of the more energetic residents plodded downhill in time to catch. No, not the tram, but Clark Gable climbing onto one at Barker Road. Yes, 20th century Century Fox moved a virtual caravan of equipment and seven truckloads to the peak and started shooting on location, 1,190 feet above sea level.
But this simple scene over 30 technicians, countless labourers and, of course, the director and his aides toiled since 8 o'clock in the morning. At 10.30am, the air was static with suspense. Dozens of onlookers and film crew alike craned forward, despite the restraining arms of the police, as the cable tautened and a tram appeared over the crest. When it halted at the landing, the tram was, in fact, a mobile studio. Four high-powered lamps focused on the front, third-class compartment of the tram, and the huge cinemascope camera whirred at the hands of its six-man crew. Mr Gable climbed out a little awkwardly as he strained against the steep incline and favoured his many fans with one of his famous quirked smiles. Giggling schoolgirls, probably playing hooky, housewives and even elderly ladies sighed en masse and strained forward, hoping for a sample scene with the great lover in action. They were disappointed. A heroine was sadly lacking, and Mr Gable, dressed immaculately in a light beige suit, summer is called for in the scene, and languidly puffing a cigar, climbed onto the tram at the call, Action! Consolation of a kind was meted out when the scene was retaken, and this time Mr Gable sat back with a number of Chinese extras seated about him and faced the glare of the lamps. Thanks for listening, and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>